Episode 36X, Expansions and Spinoffs of the Game Settlers of Catan. Hello and welcome to the How to Play podcast, coming to you from the How to Play studios in Buffalo, New York. This is your host, Ryan Sturm, and this podcast is about learning and teaching games. If you like the show, join and participate in our guild at BoardGameGeek. For more information about all the How to Play podcast episodes, the corresponding teaching guides, and the discussion forums, refer to the How to Play Geek list, for which you can find a link there at the Guild. You can also check out our website, www.howtoplaypodcast.com, where you can support the show with a PayPal donation, and I can be contacted at the Guild on BoardGameGeek or directly at my email address, howtoplaypodcast at msn.com. This episode is part of How to Play's X series. The X series will look at a game previously covered on how to play and explore the expansions for that game. It may have an in-depth look at one large expansion or be a general survey of all the expansions available for that game. Now let's get to today's episode. Hello everyone, this is Ryan Sturm once again, and I'm here to talk about the universe of Catan. Catan was designed in 1995. As I discussed earlier, it's one of the most important games uh, of the last 20 years, certainly. Because it's such an elegant, nice system, it really lends itself to adaptation. And the designer, Klaus Teuber, has spent the last 15 years or so of developing this system and creating all sorts of different scenarios and variations and spin-off games. So that's what I want to talk about today. I've played a lot of them. So I'm going to just do a general survey of what's out there of the different expansions and talk about the ones that I really like and the ones that maybe you should steer clear of. So when we're talking about Catan, we're talking about this designer, Klaus Teuber. And really, I think we're speaking of Mr. Teuber's collected works as a designer. I mean, we've got all the settlers things has been really the, the focus of what he's designed for the last 15 years. And a lot of people give him a lot of criticism for that. But you know what? He's designed a lot of good Catan games out of that system. So I don't fault him for that at all. He's created a lot of uniquely different games that have the, the Catan brand on them, but then he's also just created a lot of fun scenarios and twists on that basic system. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over sort of the, the basic expansions, talk about the scenarios, talk about the, the card games, talk about the spin-off games, and even just get into some semi-Catan-related games and, and other famous Toyber games there near the end. First of all, let's talk about just the basic Settlers expansions. The first most basic expansion is the five to six players expansion. They have the, the one for the base game, and basically what you get when you buy that is you just get two more sets of player pieces and a few more hexes and a few more cards so that you can mega-size your board and, and play Settlers of Catan basically as is with one rule change with five or six players. Now, the big problem with this is that the amount of downtime that it increases between turns really sort of takes away from the experience. You know, it, it can be quite a long time in a six-player game in getting around the table back to you. The other problem is, of course, you have the seven rule. That is, if a seven gets rolled, you have to discard half your hand. And if there's six players and it takes that long to get back to you, you could just be out of luck because you didn't 
didn't have a turn between them. Well, there's sort of a fix rule to this that's added to the 5-6 player expansion, and that is that at the end of every player's turn, any player can make a purchase. And that really helps to bog down the game even more. So here's my recommendation. Don't spend the extra money for this. Just never play Settlers with five or six. There are plenty of good games that you can play with five or six, but Settlers is not one of them. Again, if you go to um, some of the other expansions I'm about to talk about, Seafarers and Cities, they come with additional five, six player expansions. So you can buy those sort of as an add-on. Save yourself a bunch of money. Just don't do it. So now let's talk about those major expansions. There's three official major expansions for Settlers of Catan, and they actually came out, two of them came out pretty much right after the game, um, Seafarers in 97, Cities and Knights of Catan in 1998, and then after a long break in 2007, the third expansion came out, Traders and Barbarians. I'll talk about them in my order of preference. My number one favorite of these expansions is the Cities and Knights of Catan. What does it add? Well, it adds another resource type called commodities, and the cities no longer produce just two resources. They produce one resource and one of these commodities. And you're also, you have this little city portfolio and you're adding different developments to your cities. And as you add developments, you can get more special abilities. And one of those special abilities is you'll get more cards. The more of these city developments that you have, the higher probability that you have to draw special cards that give you special abilities to play with that are a lot of fun. But the other really neat aspect to this game is this barbarian horde that attacks every variable number of turns. And in order to protect your settlement from the barbarian horde, you need to provide a certain number of knights. And the island of Catan either wins as a team or loses as a team. And if the island wins, then whoever produced the most gets a, a victory point. But if the island loses, whichever player contributed the least to knights gets a city knocked over, which is horrible and terrible. And a lot of those special ability cards that you get to play are a whole lot of fun and they're mean and nasty. It makes the game significantly longer. There's quite a bit more of take that to it. There's quite a bit more of just the diplomacy interaction. Don't play that card against him, play against me. You shouldn't build a knight so that if you build a knight that will save him or you shouldn't trade him a sheep because then he can build a knight and he'll his city will get saved. And there's a whole lot of that going on. So the game can be quite a bit longer, but I find it a, a richer experience and it definitely takes it to that more gamery level, which I like. It adds to that interaction and that tension. So it, it's a little bit of a meaner game. It's a little bit more of a gamery game and I really like it. There's some people who don't care for it. They, they prefer the simplicity and the elegance of the original Catan, which I understand. My second favorite is the more recent version, and that's the Traders and Barbarians. And actually what's neat about how this came out about 12 years after the original game is that this is really sort of a, a cookbook. It's got about 10 different variations. Some of them are very simple, as in, you know, the addition of being able to get points for having the most uh, settlements on the coast. And some of them are full-fledged scenarios that take it almost to a different level of a game like Cities and Knights does. 
but there's like five little rules tweaks and there's five full-on scenarios and you can sort of mix and match them how you prefer. And so it gives you a lot in that little package and a lot of variation, a lot of, a lot of very different ways to play the game Settlers. And so it really gives you a lot of options. It's, it's a neat package for the traders and barbarians. And finally, if you're a diehard, you'll also want Seafarers of Catan. Now, Seafarers, it's not as great as the other ones. And the reason is it just sort of adds more and doesn't really change a lot to the game. It allows you to build boats and sorry, you can play games with two or three islands or you can play games uh, with the one big island, but then players can build boats off to these little mini islands. But the game doesn't really change very much by adding the, these. Basically, it just m tends to make the game longer and oftentimes not as interesting. So I, I would I prefer the Traders and Barbarians, but if you love the game and you play it a lot, you'll probably want to buy this Seafair is one also. Um, you can sort of combine some of these, like I have played seafarers with cities and knights, but anytime I've done that, I found it just to be a bit too much, uh, a bit too muddled, a bit, a bit too many extra rules. So I wouldn't really recommend, you know, getting them all to create like this monster game. I don't know if you'll be real happy with the experience. I think they are uh, much more enjoyable just on their own. So those are the three major expansions, cities and knights, traders and barbarians, or seafarers. The next are these scenarios uh, for the settlers of Catan. A lot of these, there, there's a lot of them, but some of them are, are rare. Some of them are a little bit hard to find. Some of them were only produced in Germany. Um, two of the more available ones are they made these, what are called historical scenarios. Historical scenarios one and two, and they each had two different scenarios. What you'll find in a lot of these scenarios is basically instead of using the tiles, the scenario will include for you a preset board and some different rules tweaks to, to sort of give it a new flavor. I have the historical scenarios too, and I, it, it's pretty neat. What you'll find with these scenarios is they're not games you're going to play a million times. They're things you'll try once or twice and think that that's neat, and then you'll pretty much be done with them. Uh, but the one that I have is has the Great Wall on one side and the Trojan War on the other one. Uh, I particularly like the Trojan War as each player is given a, a hidden role uh, between one of the two different sides of the war and players can donate their extra resources to the side that they're on and you get extra points if when they flip up a certain number of cards from those donated cards, um, whether your side donated more than the opponent's. So these scenarios have, have neat little variations, um, but I wouldn't spend a lot of money or try too hard to track them down. Many of those scenarios were actually included in the, the recent, relatively recent, Traders and Barbarians expansion. There's also what they call the Geographies series now. I don't know how many they're going to do of those, um, but there's the one that's just the board of Germany, and I guess sort of supposed to represent Germany. It's in the shape of Germany, and I think the terrain is supposed to match. So keep an eye out for those. But I would say, unless you're really getting into this and your group wants to keep playing it over and over again, I don't think that these are must-buys. There are a few other what they call licensed versions or licensed to other names. There's a Settlers of Canaan, Settlers of Verahelmo, which is the, the Mormon edition of Settlers of Catan. And upcoming is the Star Trek version of Catan, which... I'm interested to see how that turns out. Uh, you know, these are basically Catan with maybe a few rules changes or 
or adaptations to fit the particular theme that they're going for, but they're basically just Catan. Next, we have the card game versions of Catan, and um, there was one that came out pretty much right after Settlers. It's called the Settlers of Catan card game, came out in 96, and that's the one that I bought with the expansions. And this is a two-player only game, so that was exciting. I was hoping, you know, as a Settlers version that my wife and I could just play together, but it turns out to be really drawn out, um, lasts way too long. You know, it's a two-player game, of course, so you don't have the same sort of trading experience that you do with four players, and just it goes on a bit too long. I do not recommend it, and, and I'm looking to unload that one as soon as possible. But I, I think that Toyber took some of that feedback and, and he knew there were some issues with that. And he, he's made an updated version of that, which I have not tried yet. And it's called The Rivals of Catan. Came out in, I think, 2010. Supposed to address those issues, be a little bit shorter, a little bit cleaner, a little two-player card game that you could play with your significant other. So I'm actually looking forward to checking that one out. They also recently made a similar game called Struggle for Catan. And Struggle for Catan is really just a card version of the board game, but it completely sort of modifies the trading. You don't really trade. You just kind of steal a card from the opponent or you, you exchange a card with the bank. So it takes sort of the basics of Catan, just makes it into cards without the, the interesting um, play of the board that you get in Catan. So it just, it gives you another variation. I have not played it, but having read some of the reviews, it seems like sort of just watered down Catan. I'm not really that excited about it. Then we have the Catan Dice Game, and this is your, and this is your requisite uh, Yahtzee variant with a few um, Catan-related mechanics. You know, instead of trying to get certain number combinations, you're starting trying to get certain resource combinations. So you're rolling the dice, and you get to re-roll them a couple times, and you you check off when you've made settlements and things like that. I have not played it, but having read those fascinating mechanics. Uh, I'm not really that interested at all in um, Yahtzee variants. I know there's other Yahtzee variants that are pretty well done, like uh, King of Tokyo and and maybe even Roll Through the Ages has a little bit more going on than this one. I think you're just getting a um, Yahtzee variant with a Catan name on it. It's not very exciting. Then we have the Catan Adventures set, and the Catan Adventures set contains Candemir and Ellicent. Uh, the first one I'm, I'm very interested in. Uh, I've seen many times, haven't gotten a chance to play it, but from my understanding, it's sort of a very light role-playing game with a Catan theme. You're trying to you know, get experience points to advance your, your player characters in that Catan theme, but it's supposed to be very light and has gotten you know very lukewarm reception. And so though I'm curious about it, uh, I, I haven't heard enough excitement or buzz about it, I guess, to actually put the time in and sit down and play it. Although Ellison, I do own, and I, I really like Ellison. Ellison is a very different game. It's There's very little Catan to it other than you know you're gonna roll two dice you've got a grid where you're building a city and you have to uh, stake out your territory of where you're gonna build these buildings in the town and then you know you can build your buildings over other people's buildings it's a very unique game it's got quite a bit going on and, and it's very unique and original I think this is a good example of where Toyber you know created a whole 
different game using sort of that Catan brand, but created so many other original mechanics and made a very solid game. So if you have not checked out Ellison yet, I highly recommend it. Next, we have a Catan Histories series. I wish they would have just blended these spin-off series into, into one cohesive series, but I guess they wanted a historical series, and there's only there's three games in that series. Um, Settlers of the Stone Age, Struggle for Rome, and Trails to Rails. I have not played Settlers of the Stone Age. I have played Struggle for Rome, and I like it very much, and I highly recommend it. This is sort of a scenario-based game, but it changes enough to make it worth your time to check it out. Uh, there's a, a board of, of sort of Rome, and each of the players are barbarians. And you start it on sort of the east where the barbarians come from, and you move your way west and just raid and pillage the different areas. And so instead of your settlements getting resources, your little barbarian tokens uh, gain resources. And eventually your barbarians decide to conquer and, and plant their flag and decide on a place to live. So you have to decide, you know, how far you want to spread your barbarians and when to sort of settle in one of those regions. And then you can spread out from that central area where you've decided to settle. It's got a great theme of barbarians sweeping across Europe. It does a lot of things differently. Instead of one player, uh, each player rolling the dice on their turn, a start player rolls the dice four times, uh, re-rolling duplicates, which allows for really a nice spread for players to get resources. There's different bonuses that players have to shoot for. It's very good. I like it a lot. It doesn't have a ton of replayability, but for being a Catan scenario, I think it is one of the best Catan-ish scenarios. In the next version, Trails to Rails, I am less enthusiastic about, and, and it makes me sad because it combines two of my favorite game-related things, and that's Catan and Railroads, and you think that would be a Ryan Sturm magical combination. Well, it turns out it's not. It reminds me sort of, of of a game of seafarers in that it just sort of makes Catan longer. It doesn't provide a whole lot of more interesting decisions. It just takes the game. I like the board. You start off in the United States and you start in the East Coast and you you build West. Um, but it just it sort of adds an hour to base settlers of Catan and doesn't add a lot more interesting decisions. It doesn't feel like it has uh, enough of that railroad theme or enough difference from base Catan to make it worthy of the added hour and the, the extra rules. I did not love Trails to Rails. So of the Catan histories, my favorite of, of the ones I've played is the Struggle for Rome variation. One last thing I want to talk about that I didn't get to is they have this... Um, the deck of dice for Catan. And this is, I think it was a promotional item, but I think you can buy it now. And what this is, is it has one card for every one of the possible die rolls uh, from two to 12. So there's one, two, and there's two threes and so on. So it's meant to represent the roll of a die and to actually do it with more statistical probability because when you roll a die, you know, you could get a six every single time mathematically when you're flipping cards from a deck now that's not going to happen you don't go through the whole deck when you flip the cards like this and you play it that way there's a shuffle card in there so that does mix it up a little bit so you're not going to get the exact probabilities but they're going to be much closer to expected than if you were to roll you know 30 to 50 uh, die rolls 
I hate this variation. Sucks all the fun out of the game. A lot of the fun of the game is when you get to roll those dice and you shake them and you get that number that you wanted. And you flip a card and you know, all right, two of the 11s are gone, so I guess I'm not getting another 11. Boo, boring, fun sucker. Don't do it. Stay away from it. Deck of dice is evil. I I just want to say across the board, replacing random die roll results with results from flipping over cards is always worse. I don't like it. Boo. All right. That's all I have to say about that. Next, let's go to space for one of my other favorite variations of this, um, which is probably just going to tick you off because you can't get it anymore. And that is the Starfares of Catan fabulous variation so much fun players start off on the left side of the galaxy and they explore by moving their spaceships at a certain number of spaces and they have to get out to these planets to put more of their settlements but they have a random chance of running into the aliens and having an adventure and you it's almost like choose your own adventure you have to decide whether you want to try to rescue a uh, space princess or whether you want to uh, trade with seedy space pirates or whether you want to attempt to make a wormhole jump and it's sort of guessing, but you can also are making decisions based on the upgrades that you've made to the technology that you have. Each player has a rocket and they can upgrade their cannons to make themselves stronger. They can upgrade their rockets to move farther so they can customize their technology. They also, besides settling on these different worlds to produce more resources, just like you would in Settlers, they also can go and make uh, friendly contact with various alien species and the different alien species all get special powers. It is so cool and so much fun. A lot of people who play it complain because it's really long and it is it's two and a half maybe three hours um, but I think it's a ton of fun and uh, if you get a chance to play it you definitely should play Starfarers of Catan I'm also told that the card version of this game Starship Catan which you also can no longer get was also very good but I have not had a chance to play that either so I think that is a thorough survey of all things Catan now the one thing I have to bring up is the interesting little fun fact that when Klaus Teuber was originally conceiving his vision for the masterpiece that was to become the Settlers of Catan, it was originally uh, a much grander scope, uh, a monster game that included sort of sailing out and exploring the land and then colonizing the land and then once you got there fighting for territory on that land and it, it was this gigantic game that you know involved the sailing and the colonizing and the fighting and what he realized through some design development was that he had actually three separate packages and that game split into three parts and actually became from this one monster game to three excellent games. And you know about the one that I've been talking about, Settlers of Catan. You may not know as much about the other two games. The first part of that story was sailing across and exploring and discovering new land. And that game became Entdecker. And Entdecker, which I think means explorer, maybe? It might mean pickle. I don't, I honestly don't know. But that's what you're doing. You're exploring you're going across the sea looking for islands has this great exploration system um 
I played the second edition and enjoyed it very much. And it has a healthy dose of luck, as most of these exploration games do, but it really captures that, that feeling of exploration, so check that one out. Then, of course, we had the settlement, which became Settlers of Catan. But the third part of this story is originally the first version of the game was called Lowenhertz, and the second version is called Domain, but they're related, they're the same game. And basically how this game works is you have a plot of square land, and players start off with these little kingdoms with fences around them. They, they build these little kingdoms with fences and they start pushing out. And eventually these kingdoms start running into each other and, and you can push into each other's territory. In order to push into each other's territory, you need to have more knights than the opponent. So you're, you're building knights, you're growing your territory, you can steal knights from your opponent. And it is a wonderful game. I, I really enjoy the domain version. I've yet to play the Lowenhertz version. Yeah, it's a little more cutthroat, a little bit more gamery, uh, a little bit more complex from what I have heard, but I very much enjoy Domain. And I highly, highly recommend all three prongs of these series. And so you may have played Settlers and you may not have played Entdecker or Domain. And if you haven't, you should. They're great. And the last thing I'll mention about my friend Klaus Teuber is he has actually won the Spiel DR, that is the game of the year, a German game of the year, which is a very prestigious gaming award. It's sort of the, the pinnacle, I guess, uh, of game design. We don't have, we don't have many big awards uh, for game designers, and this is one of them. And Klaus Teuber has four of them. You know, he got one in 1988, 1990, 1991, and 1995. Uh, those games were Barbarossa, Hoity Toity, Wacky Wacky West, and then in 95 was Settlers. So this guy's creative mind has been influencing games for a very long time, and, and I just say I'm very thankful for it. In 1988, Barbarossa. Barbarossa, this is a game about, you know, you model play, and then players sort of ask you questions trying to figure out what it is. This was reinterpreted by North Star Games with their game Clusal. And then a game that still has a decent following is Hoity Toity. It's also um, Edelverflicht, Edelverflicht, something like that. It's a game where you're trying to collect stuff. And this game uses a simultaneous selection mechanism where people, they basically have three choices. You're trying to guess what other people are going to do or not do. And I, I don't really like that mechanism and don't find it very fun. But nonetheless, in 1990, it was obviously a very exciting game. and A lot of people were very much into it. And so, you know, it's probably worth a play. And in 1991, we have Wacky Wacky West, which I know nothing about, but it is apparently very wacky. But what I'm getting to basically is that Klaus Teuber has created a phenomenal number of excellent games, and I'm very thankful for all of his creations, and I think he's one of the greatest designers of our generation. So you owe it to yourself to check out a lot of his designs because he has created some great games that provide some great game experiences. So from the How to Play podcast, I just want to say thank you, Klaus Teuber, for all of your great game creations. And I know he's listening because all of the famous, excellent, well-regarded game designers do. But that's going to about do it for my survey of all things Catan. I hope you enjoyed that sort of trip through Toyberland, if you will, and heard about some games that you're intrigued to try. There's a lot there 
to explore and, and some really good game experiences. Never fear faithful how-to-play listeners. I know that some of you are disappointed that I, I tackled a, a lighter game. I know you like it. You like to punish me, and you like me to suffer and do these games with 57 pages of rules that take me 40 hours of, of work to create the episode. But I hope you got something out of either episode 36 or this little survey of Toybird Games. But for now, I will leave you. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Ryan Sturm of the How to Play Podcast. That wraps up this episode of How to Play, but be sure to visit us on our website, www.howtoplaypodcast.com, for all the How to Play resources, to discuss the show, to contact me, or to show your appreciation for the show with a PayPal donation. I count on your support to help keep How to Play growing. If you use and love the How to Play podcast, I need your help. Show your appreciation by making a donation, spread the word about the show, and just let me know what you think about the show there at the Guild. Thanks again to you, the How to Play listeners around the world. And until next time, I hope you will learn, teach, and play great games. The How to Play podcast is part of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts, featuring Ludology and the flagship podcast, The Dice Tower. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.